You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hour two of the show, a little bit later, bottom of the hour, we'll talk about what Jim Hanzo just told us, that the Superdome renovations, the proposed ones, are facing some pretty severe backlash from lawmakers. Get into that and why they're not exactly wrong, but why it's probably not going to matter in the long run. Also, the XFL struck a TV deal with three different networks today that certainly looks like it's going to make them a a player in the early part of next year. The championship's going to be scheduled, I think, uh, April 26th. That means the playoffs are going to go on about the same time as the NCAA basketball tournament, which will be interesting. We're going to talk some LSU baseball to start it off here. I posed the question today in my blog, and this was at LSU fans, and I'm not answering in the affirmatively, and I'm certainly not answering in that I believe he should be, but is Paul Maneri really on the hot seat, like so many LSU fans and boosters and alumni seem to think? It's interesting. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but first, Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network and LSU Sports Radio Network jumps on in at Jeff Palermo LRN. Um, Jeff, how you doing? And, and are you recovered from that wacky, incredible finish yesterday that ended in a Tigers loss? That was uh, that was unbelievable to um, to see them just uh, whack three home runs back to back to back to tie the game and. Um, to erase a six-run deficit in a matter of moments. Um, I mean, boy, uh, I, I could imagine if uh, – and I understand Ole Miss had one of its better pitchers on the mound during all that. Mike Bianco was trying to get out of it. But, I mean, if Ole Miss doesn't come back, score the four runs in the next inning, uh, there's a lot of people in uh, Oxford upset that Mike Bianco didn't yank them, the, that pitcher, uh, after the second home run. But um, – uh, one of those things, uh, it was a crazy series going back to uh, seeing Zach Hess and the return of the wild thing to, uh, you know, just a, a kind of a tough outing for Eric Walker, gives up a two-strike uh, home run that put him in a in a bind. And, again, a, a left-hander handcuffing LSU. And then, once again, the Tigers getting down big but making a run at it and just uh, unable to finish it off because – at this moment, the, the pitching uh, pitching staff is a, is a bit of a wreck right now, and it's got to right itself pretty quick. Indeed. Um, how much of a mess is this pitching staff, like you just mentioned there? Because Hess is in the bullpen. It doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere but in the pen. We had Landon Marceau giving up, what, seven uh, earned runs yesterday. Mikhail Hilliard struggled a little bit. doesn't seem like they have any answers right now in, in any of the days, day one, two, or three. And I hate to say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I guess it isn't anymore. But days one, two, or three in these SEC series, it seems like they're still searching for answers, Jeff. They certainly are. And it's it's not a good recipe for your pitching staff to not have a starter not last five innings. Um, you know, Zach has had his struggles as a starter, but he would give you at least five or six innings. He He would eat up some innings. And um, the fact that uh, Mikhail Hilliard only gives you four and then you really got to extend that cast. Part of it was, uh, as Coach Paul Maneri explained on his radio show earlier tonight, was that through the first two innings, Hess didn't throw that many pitches. And, they, you know, the third inning, um, he, he threw a little bit more. And then the fourth inning, he, he really had an empty to take to get out of that inning. The, the plan was just to use him two innings so that you can bring him back in the series at, at some point, but uh, that didn't manifest itself. And, um, 
you know, Eric Walker is just, he just hasn't regained that form to what we saw in 2017. The guy is such a, he relies so much on control and he was getting squeezed a little bit on Saturday and ended up having to throw a few more pitches over the plate than he wanted to. And, and, and he missed on his fastball on that two strike pitch that I was missing. He wanted to get it up and out of the zone. Instead he threw it down the middle and it was a three run homer. And that was really the ball game. And, you know, Landon Marceau, uh, I, I, I thought it was a, a leap of faith to kind of, for a guy that you, you just haven't been able to rely on at all this year because of injuries, part of it, to, to put him out there as a, as a weekend starter. Um, but I think that's what you're going to live with right now, where this guy might go out there and he could give you a good outing, but there could be games where um, he had on Sunday. He didn't get help either. You know, Josh Smith, that error was a big, I mean, uh, gives up seven runs and only three of them were and so it wasn't like he got a lot of help defensively so it's just a it was a rough two days there after really such an emotional win on friday that it just couldn't carry over to the next game and then the bullpen was just it was just a disaster on sunday and um there's not many guys right now that you really feel comfortable about um devin fotno just uh, giving up the four runs peterson just we, he, he just hasn't been the guy that we saw last year. And Vittmeyer uh, was good early on in the year, but uh, he's been getting hit a little bit. Beck's been solid. He's been fairly consistent, but he'll give up a run or two here and there. So um, right now it's uh, it, it's rough. It's rough looking. There's no doubt about it. It's, 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 tough. it's tough right now. Uh, Jeff Palermo with us, at Jeff Palermo LRN. Uh, you mentioned the Marceau decision and the decision to move Hess back to the pen. Has Palmineri mismanaged this staff regardless of the injuries that have occurred this year? And, and there's been a lot of them, Jeff. I mean, you can't just wash that away. I understand that. But has yeah. he mismanaged the staff? I think, I, in my opinion, and I'm not there every day, and I'm not Alan Dunn, and Palmineri and Alan Dunn know a lot more than I do, but I think I would have left Hess as my starter. With, with Cole Henry down, I think I would have. And, and I understand it worked on Friday night. I, I get that. Um, I, I don't know if that I, – I, I'm kind of a a bit of an old school thinker here is that you want a starter to go out there, especially on Friday nights and give you seven innings and uh, shut down the other opponent and then save your bullpen for Saturday and Sunday for crazy games that especially a game like Sunday that you saw. And um, I guess in a way it worked on Friday, but um, again, Mikhail Hilliard only gives you four innings. And if you're just counting on your Friday night starter to go out there and give you four or five innings, I think you're playing with danger because guys are in a bullpen for a reason because a lot of it is because they're just not consistent enough to be a starter. And I thought even if Zach Hess, uh, while sometimes results were not pretty, he'd give you at least six or seven innings and save your bullpen for the rest of the series. And and, and that's why a lot of times at LSU, even though if they lost that first game, they were still able to come back Saturday or Sunday because they had the pitching. But now the dynamic is a little different without Cole Henry. Um, so, I don't know, hard to say. Mismanaged might not be the right word. Um, I mean, let's see how this plays out. Again, it worked Friday night, but I, I, I don't like the idea of having, you know, three starters and you really don't know what you're getting out of any of them at this at this moment. And, uh, I think Zach Hess. You, you knew you you can you can get a stellar performance. You can get an okay performance, uh, and he was less likely than the other guys to give you a bad performance. And so uh, they're in a rough spot. Um, the, the injury to Cole Henry just came at the absolute worst time because uh, 
it seemed like this team was about ready to get on a roll. The schedule was softening up for him. And then he comes down with this injury and it's, it's really it's kind of flipped the, uh, the checkerboard up and all the pieces are now scattered and they got to put it together and see, uh, see if they can't figure out some kind of formula or combination to, to get this pitching staff headed in the right direction. Yeah, they're running out of time to do that. And on the offensive side and then the lineup, you know, they scored 24 runs in three days and they lose the series. Now 15 of those runs were on Sunday. One of the spots in the lineup that has just been a struggle to find any consistency is the DH spot. And in fact, in this series, Jeff, they used three different guys at DH and they had a total of three hits the entire series from that spot. Is it just going to be the DH by committee kind of like this for the rest of the foreseeable, well, the rest of the season? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they just um, – they, you know, and we've talked about this before, Seth. I mean, just outside of Josh Smith, Zach Watson, Antoine DePlantis, um, and Daniel Cabrera at times, and I know Chris Reed had a pretty good game. But let's just talk about those four guys, Smith, Watson, DePlantis, Cabrera. And in below, so you could throw him in there. So those five guys have been, for the most part, pretty good for him all season long. Uh, you know, at times, uh, you know, they didn't have good weekends. They'd go one of 11, one of 13, whatever it might be. But for the most part, I, I think those are five guys you can count on. Problem is there's nine guys that bad. <laughs> yeah. The other four guys, you can't. I mean, again, I guess Chris Reed, okay, five and a half, six guys. Uh, but th- there's three guys that they just have got no production out of. Uh, there's three spots in the lineup all season long. And, um, you know, every now and then they get they get a big hit, like Drew Bianco's three-run homer against Lamar. Um, you know, Salu Garza showing some signs here, but it, it's not it, – it still isn't – I mean, he's, it, it's not like he, he's ripping the cover off the ball completely at this point. Um, and, you know, just kind of, you've, been high, you've been waiting all season long for someone to take that spot. You know, C.J. Willis showed signs. Uh, you know, Gavin Dugas has shown signs. And then, you know, he had a hitless game. Uh, on Sunday, uh, there's this, and they just haven't, they haven't been able to find it, haven't been able to, to figure that out. So um, it, that's been a, that's been a, a struggle for them offensively this season is that, you know, they, they had this great incoming class and they just, other than below sale, they just haven't gotten the production. And I don't know where they would be if, if Chris Reed went off and just decided to do something else and really hung up the spikes for good. I don't know where this team would be. I mean, he's he's played good third base. He's hit 300 for him. He's given them long at bats, quality at bats. If they didn't have him, yeah. they'd be in a lot worse. They'd be in a lot worse trouble. So it's been a, it's been a frustrating season. There, there's there's no no doubt about it. It, it just the, the buttons they pushed. Um, sometimes they get immediate results, but then it just kind of fades away, and they got to try something else. Uh, Jeff, and we don't have a lot of time left here, and I'm going to get into this uh, after you're gone, but do you believe that Paul Maneri is on the hot seat? Not that he should be, but do you think that he is with the fan base and you know the alumni now that Scott Woodward's there? Um, no, I don't. I wouldn't say on the hot seat. Um, I think, though, if they don't host the regional, that's two years in a row, and I think at that point, there, there's time for some deep soul searching, right? And it may be good that you have a guy like Scott Woodward comes in with a fresh set of eyes and maybe ask some questions that maybe Joe Leva wasn't, just because Joe Leva has been in the middle of it. And he's, you know, and you hear you got a new guy, a new perspective who's been kind of probably watching from afar. Um, I, I mean, questions of, you know, why are, are so many pitchers getting hurt? 
uh, a lot of soft tissue injuries this year, you know, from Zach Watson to Zach has to, to Chris Reed. What, what's the situation with that? I mean, you can't, you, you can't prevent a hammy break like you had with Gavin Dugas, but, or a guy with Nick stores who comes here, he's, he's damaged goods to begin with. He, you can't avoid some of those things, but I think some questions certainly need to be asked. And it's kind of similar to what happened earlier in this decade. You know, they won the national championship in 09 in 10. They went to UC. They didn't have a great team in 10. They, they went on the road for a regional and they lost to UCLA or they lost to the UCLA regional. And then in 11, they didn't make the postseason. Well, in 2017, they come one win away from winning a college world series, 18, they go on the road for a regional I'm not saying they're going to miss the tournament this year, but it's kind of setting up that same thing. And after that 11th season, Paul Maneri really took a deep look at what he was doing and changed the things, changed the way he was recruiting uh, coaches and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that needs to happen again if they fall short of uh, hosting a regional again this season. Jeff Palermo, LSU Sports Radio Network and the Louisiana Radio Network at Jeff Palermo LRN. I always appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. All right, Seth. Thanks. All right, there he goes. Uh, Celtics, Celtics, uh, Warriors and Rockets tied 39-39 mid-second quarter. Just saw a James Harden three-pointer he was fouled on. Classic Harden kicking out the feet. Probably a foul there, though. Of course, that's been highly watched this series. When we come back, we'll get into my column from today, and I'm asking you, is Paul Maneri really on the hot seat? And, of course, should he be? That's next as we continue on The Last Lap. Great conversation with Jeff Palermo on LSU baseball and their struggles. Ten losses now in SEC play, and to get to that 20-win magical number in conference play, they'd have to win out their next six games. Likely not happening, considering they have Arkansas. But that doesn't mean the season's over, and they still got a chance to host a regional, and they can go on the road and win. But it got me thinking again, and boy, it seems like every single show we do and every single time we talk about LSU baseball, we get texts, calls, tweets, and otherwise from LSU fans saying that Paul Maneri either should be fired or he should be squarely on the hot seat. And I wrote about this today at WWL.com. The headline there is Paul Maneri, LSU skipper Paul Maneri, really on the hot seat. And I guess if it wasn't clear before, LSU hates a loser and not even a loser. Competing for a national title might not even buy a coach more than a couple of years of job security. Look what happened to Les Miles. Not saying it was the wrong decision. I'm just saying he played a national title game. A handful of years later, he's gone. Paul Maneri... Played in the national title series in Omaha, the championship series, and a couple of years later, a lot of fans say, well, he should be gone. Now, whether that's absurd or logical, and I say logical, it might be given the resources thrown towards LSU athletics. If you're coaching the football or baseball programs in Baton Rouge, you better win early and often. You better win early and often. Two years ago, that national championship series that's an eternity in the win-now world of major college athletics. And yes, LSU baseball is a major sport here. It's crazy that one day removed from this 19-15 to 15 loss, that Maneri has become perhaps the most endangered coach on LSU's campus. And, I, and that includes Will Wade, who must even realize the irony of this all is if he's paying attention. We've talked about weight a lot here and my view on that subject. But fans have built up this nearly impenetrable social media fortress around Wade 
while at the same time ushering, uh, trying to usher anyways, Paul Maneri closer to his demise. I, I guess, and what it shows me is consistent national title contention, seven straight NCAA baseball tournament bursts, three College World Series trips in the last six years. I guess that's no match for one NCAA basketball tournament appearance and this tidal wave of recruiting improprieties. Because, hey, it's baseball in Baton Rouge, right? All the oddities surrounding the coaching politics at LSU, the disparity between fan and booster treatment of Wade and Maneri, it's mind-boggling to me. Doesn't this kind of feel eerily similar to Les Miles and his swan song that dragged out over a couple of years in Baton Rouge? It's not always fair, nor is it right But when powerful boosters and alumni decide that it's time for a coach to go, well, it's usually only a matter of time before that coach is plucked out, root and stem, in favor of whatever coach that they want. Now, we're going to continue this in about 60 seconds or so. We're up against the news. It's true that LSU is falling considerably short right now. The season isn't over, but right now, of preseason expectations. And we'll continue talking about whether that means Paul Maneri, their coach, should be on the hot seat. And you can weigh in on this, LSU fans, 504-260-1870. It's 504-260-1870. Text lines 870-870. Also right now watching the NBA playoffs, Rockets 53, Warriors 41. Fans going nuts in Houston as the Rockets try to even up that series. 504-260-1870, no text line tonight, so you'll have to give us a call. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap continues on WWL. Talking about LSU baseball and Paul Maneri, and is Paul Maneri on the hot seat at LSU? It's a question I asked in my column today, and we're doing it here on the show. I told you it feels eerily similar to the last couple of years of, of the Les Miles era with the football program where it just seemed inevitable. Once boosters and a lot of the fan base were done with Les, that regardless of how many games he won, unless he delivered another national championship, he was going to be gone eventually. And I've told you, there's no doubt that LSU falling considerably below their preseason expectations. The Tigers were the number one team in the country, consensus number one in the nation. Kind of a surefire bet to make it to Omaha and play in that College World Series. We've got to be honest. If we're going to have an honest debate about Paul Maneri, we've got to be honest about the main reason for their struggles, and that's the injuries that have besieged this program and decimated both their pitching staff and at times their lineup. Even Maneri said, I think it was in mid-April when he said this, I've never seen so many people get hurt in one season before. Look at the pitching staff. Hess, Jaden Hill, Landon Marceau, Cole Henry, Chase Costello, Eric Walker have all missed some amount of time this season to injury that doesn't even count nick stores who what are you playing a one two game pitching one two games last year and that's it his two seasons in baton rouge and he was one of the top recruits in the country talking about the lineup zach watson chris reed daniel cabrera hal hughes gavin dugas just some and there are others of the lsu hitters who've missed time this season some a significant amount of time there is no baseball team in america not college not little league not in the major leagues, that could brush off a rash of injuries like that without facing some setbacks in the loss column. LSU, just because they have this prestigious history in baseball, they're not immune to that. 
And for whatever reason, and I'm just telling you the truth here. I'm not really giving you my opinion on this. I'm telling you the truth. Fans, and you might be one of them out there, seem to not care for the excuses, no matter what they are, even when they are legitimate like this. goes back to Scott Woodward now for me. The new LSU athletic director enjoys as much political capital as anybody running that athletic department has had for the last two decades, probably longer than that. He's smart. He's savvy. And I know he's aware that coaches like Maneri don't just grow on trees. They're not in abundant supply everywhere. But here's the reality in Baton Rouge. Some of those same cash-rich boosters that helped Woodward get that job before Joe Valiva's seat was even cold? I mean, what was it, a day later, two days later? Some of those same boosters who helped get him that job, they've started to sour on Paul Maneri. That's what I've been told. Some, not all, have soured to the point where anything short of another trip to the College World Series this year, in their minds, would doom the Tiger Skipper. It's not fair. It's not right. But college athletics and really life is neither of those things. And injury excuses, or whether it's fair or not, or Scott Woodward's, i got to tell you, it's not going to stop the wheels of change from churning towards what seemed like an inevitable end to the Maneri era in Baton Rouge. It seems like it's begun, and once things like that are in motion, it's almost impossible to stop them. Now, if you want me to go on record here and tell you what I think, should Maneri be on the hot seat, my answer is squarely a no. Seven oh, is a six SEC titles in the last SEC tournament titles in the last ten years. He's been to Omaha three out of the last six years. Been in the NCAA tournament that regional round at least for the last seven years. That's an incredible run of success. It's not like Duke is itching to throw out. Mike Shashevsky from their basketball program because they made one Final Four in the last 15 years. I mean, some at some point you got to be reasonable about stuff like this, and I don't think that's reasonable. However, what I think here, sitting on the radio at WWL at 9:30 at night, doesn't really matter. The unfortunate reality, and I say unfortunate, unfortunate in my mind, the reality in college sports is a lot of this comes down to what a relative handful of people who have a lot of money and give a lot of money to LSU, they believe. And if they're in Scott Woodward's ear, and a lot of them are saying, oh, I don't want to give any more money that goes towards LSU baseball unless you make a change. Again, it's not fair. I'm not saying it's right. But that might spell the end of this era. And be careful what you wish for. I'd also say that. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. It's Seth Dunlap on the last lap. Let's go to the phone lines. Bobby in Slidell. Welcome into the program. Good evening. Enjoying listening to you. Thanks, Bobby. What's up tonight? Yes. Well, I was calling. You mentioned the coach, and to get rid of that baseball coach would be the most foolish thing I ever seen. Similar, you know what it reminds me to? A little old ladies in church who want their preacher. Maybe the preacher didn't say hello to them as nice as another lady. They get a thing, and all of a sudden they want to replace another preacher. Well, enough for whatever. And that happens a lot in churches, and this is the same situation. He must have made some booster mad and not kissed butt enough. Doesn't, you know, his records just speak for itself. The players 
that's the players that they'd trade here for anybody. I guarantee you they wouldn't trade them for nobody. Where else you going to get an experience? So many players get their experience. A trip to Omaha, a championship. Where you going to get it? What other coach you going to get? Yeah, three out, of the, three out of the last six years, Bobby. Three out of the last six years they've been yeah, to Omaha. The kids, the kids should decide a lot of it because without him and without them, that's who makes it. And the memories they have and where they go, that's what counts. Yeah, and I think that the, the players should have some input in this, although I'm wary to say they should have a lot of input because sometimes the adults have to step in in situations other than this and say, hey, it's time to move on. I mean, I'm not going to be contradictory to myself here because those LSU basketball players that all want Will Wade to stay, I still think Will Wade should go. But I think the adults should step into the room. But your, your analogy there was great, Bobby. I haven't really heard of that. Some ladies getting offended by a preacher not saying hi to them as they walk into church. That's <laughs> pretty good. But you're right about Booster souring on Maneri. That's what I've been told. And it's not just one. It's not all or even a majority necessarily, but it is a growing few. Keep an eye on it. I just think it would be in, incredibly surprising if Maneri is fired this year or this offseason. I, I just think it would. I mean, you're talking about a guy who played in that national championship series two years ago. And I just I want LSU fans here to be careful what you wish for. No, they haven't won a national championship since 2010. Well, Duke's won one in the last 15 years in basketball. I mean, eventually you've got to just have some kind of a modicum of reasonability. Let's go to Pierre and Gentili. Pierre, what say you tonight? Hey, what's going on, Seth? I got a point and a question I want to make. All right. Um, my, my, my point is, as far as these preseason expectations, do they, um, you know what I'm saying, you know, they, they, they put these expectations on teams and athletes. Do they even ask the teams that are athletes what they think their expectations are? No, when we say expectations, I mean, sometimes they come internally, Pierre, but most of the time they come from people like you and me, people talking here on radio shows or in newspapers or in the media setting those expectations. But in this instance, to play you know, a little devil's advocate here, Paul Maneri was talking about in the preseason, in the opening press conference, how he felt it's time that he delivers another championship. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, what does he say? It's been way too long. I'm ready to win another title. I'm saying that you know it's time for LSU to win another national championship and put another year out there on the Intimidators. So this was also the expectations inside of the program. Okay, and I, I was just saying because it seems a little unfair, you know, to put expectations from outside of the team. And then expect their team to live up to those expectations, not knowing what the team's expectations. Well, no, I mean that, that's any sport. That's not just LSU baseball. I mean that's NFL football. That's high school basketball and football now. These expectations that are set from everybody on the outside looking in—it's just the reality of this form of entertainment that is athletics, and that's what it comes down to in the end. And I think. I've ranted on that before. In the end, it is a form of entertainment, not that you don't want your team to be successful or you should do everything you can within the rules to make your team successful. I don't want to open that up again. We'll see what happens with Maneri here. Thanks for the call, Pierre. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. More LSU baseball talk plus... Well, we've got some debate now on the proposed Superdome renovations and some Louisiana lawmakers crying foul 
and crying foul outside of the New Orleans area. Well, I see a lot of hypocrisy here from these lawmakers next on the last lap. NHL and NBA playoffs going on tonight. The Boston Bruins close out the Blue Jackets 3-0 today, and they win that series four games to two. Underway in Denver, it's the Avs and the Sharks. No score there. San Jose trying to close out Colorado. They lead that series three games to two. Over in the NBA, earlier tonight it was Milwaukee 113, Boston 101. Milwaukee three games to one lead in that series as it goes back to Milwaukee. And right now at halftime, it was a 13-point Rockets lead that is trimmed to seven at halftime, 61 to 54. The Rockets outscoring the Warriors by 10 points in that second quarter. James Harden with 18 points, 3 of 7 from 3, only 4 free throws, which is uh, under his average for Harden. Steph Curry, a little bounce-back game perhaps, although he's only 1 of 6 from 3. 13 points for Steph, 12 for Kevin Durant. Keep an eye on that one. Big one for Houston. If they lose that game, it's pretty much over, but we've got a series, of course if they managed to win that. We told you a couple of days ago, or last week anyways, about the proposed renovations to the Superdome. Uh, $450 million is that proposed renovation, and that is going to be split between a private investment from the Saints and um, the Sports Commission and then also from taxpayers. Now, this went to discussion from uh, at the Louisiana legislature today, and a lot of lawmakers from outside the New Orleans area we're questioning the validity of these proposed renovations. We have the story at WWL.com. Senator Jim Fannin of Jonesboro asked, uh, we're asking taxpayers to take on a huge amount of responsibility in this, but the taxpayer is not getting much back for that expenditure. Now, remember, he represents Jonesboro. Also, you had um, another lawmaker and uh, say, I don't have the name here, it got kind of wiped out, but uh, one of the lawmakers uh, basically asked, I'll just paraphrase here, uh, why do we do this? I don't understand why people in New Orleans don't love the Superdome without $450 million in new expenses. Now, this, this debate is played out in across, across the country and in cities every time that taxpayers are asked to foot the bill for stadium, either renovations or new stadiums. Now, I have written and spoke at length about why I think taxpayers at times get absolutely fleeced by owners who certainly have the means and benefit from new stadiums or renovations, and they're not willing to foot any of that bill. I mean, up in Minnesota, or whether that's over in Sacramento with that new facility in basketball, or Atlanta. I mean, I could go on and on here. Houston and that new stadium. I, I don't like it when taxpayers are having to pay $500 million, $700 million, a billion dollars for a playhouse for these billionaire owners. This is different, though. You got about $150 million or so, give or take, and the details are still being worked out that the taxpayers across the state are being asked to foot. Now, with the amount of big-time events that the Superdome brings into the city and to the state, because the state's making tax off this also, that's going to be made back with Super Bowls, with Final Fours, with college football playoffs, with WrestleManias, uh, you know, big-time international soccer events that we've seen here before. 
that is a relative, and I understand it's a lot of money. I mean, you talk about just the people in New Orleans, it's about 100 bucks per person in New Orleans, tax dollars going into that, but this will be spread out across the state. I don't really have a problem with this, even though, you know, my I'm dead set a lot of times against big-time taxpayer investment, but this is different because of this facility and because of the city we're in and the amount of big-time events that it hosts and the tourists that it brings in. I also want to point out the hypocrisy from some of these lawmakers that absolutely drives me nuts. Now, I'm in New Orleans, I live in the city, and I pay state and obviously local taxes. What were we just talking about two weeks ago in the state legislature? We had lawmakers from outside the city of New Orleans wanting every bit of the piece of the pie from a a Harris lease extension or sports betting that would happen at Harris. We had lawmakers in Jonesboro, Lake Charles, Baton Rouge, and rural areas all across the state saying, well, I know that all this money's coming from the New Orleans area, but we want a piece of our pie too. You know what I say? Okay. That's fine. But you cannot cry foul about a Superdome renovation that you might not directly benefit from when at the same time you're trying to reach into our pockets here in the city of New Orleans and grab out the tax revenue or revenue that comes from Harris and the gambling here. I mean, give me a flipping break. This is political hypocrisy at its highest. And I don't do a political show, and I'm not going to talk much longer about this. They'll talk on Newell's show and Tommy's and Scoot's more on this, but that's a bunch of nonsense. I mean, it just is. It really is. Like I grew up out there. And just for, you know, I've been here a decade, but we used to have these same gosh darn discussions when I was growing up, and I was old enough to remember these, in Seattle, because... When they blew up the Super uh, the Kingdom and built the new stadium for the Seahawks out there, everybody in Seattle was for it, and it brought in so much money to the state. And then you had all of these lawmakers across the state saying, well, we don't want that. Well, when it came to things in Seattle that benefited the tax coffers of the entire state, you had those lawmakers saying, well, yeah, I know that it happens in Seattle, but we want you know our piece of the pie here too. 78% in a recent survey, apparently, support renovations to the Superdome and support the taxpayer investment. This is going to happen. People need to stop making foolish statements and looking foolish with their hypocrisy on this. That's my commentary on that. 504-260-1870 if you want to hop on in. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. The XFL signed on with three major networks to broadcast their games next year. Pretty big news. We'll tell you who and when and why. Coming up next here on The Last Lap. Remember, you can win your part of $1,000 each hour during the day. It's part of our Intercom National Cash Contest every weekday between 7 a.m. 6 p.m. Not on this show, unfortunately. But you get a chance to win a grand in our 12K a day giveaway. You listen for the code word between those hours at the top of the hour, and then you text it to 72881, and those giveaways will begin again in the 7 o'clock hour tomorrow right here on WWL. Told you the XFL, big news today. They have signed agreements with ABC, ESPN, and Fox to broadcast their games, the league announced on Monday. There are no rights fees paid by the networks to the XFL, and that was a question I had when this initially broke. So there's not any money exchanging hands. However, it sounds like 
the uh, uh, the networks, ESPN and Fox, will hold the streaming rights and will handle cross-promotion plus the selling of adverti- uh, advertisements. So they're going to handle all this. Now, this is what the Alliance of American Football should have done, and this is why Vince McMahon and you know his sports media empire, and that's why he's built it, is because he makes wise decisions like this. It's going to be impossible to get away from the XFL when it's on those three networks. It just is. Also of news, the XFL season is going to start on February 8th. That's just six days after the Super Bowl. So if you can't get enough football, which most of the country just cannot, you're able to watch this. Now, I'm not sure exactly how entertaining of a product this is going to be. This is going to be like watching group of five football. Sure, it's entertaining at times, but are you really going to be invested unless you're in one of those cities that has a team? And remember, the franchises uh, are, what is it, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa, D.C., New York, Los Angeles, Houston, Dallas, and Florida. Those are your eight franchises. And they're all controlled by Vince McMahon. And when the XFL were closer to the beginning of that league, I know I'll be talking about just how above the board is this going to be. I mean, really, when you have one owner controls every team if you think there's a conspiracy in the nfl which i don't but if you think there's a conspiracy in the nfl to reward preferred cities with wins in whatever way possible imagine if you've got one owner controlling that and controlling everything in the league happens concerns me a little bit but uh, i don't know if the xfl i'm gonna lose sleep over the xfl anyway uh two hours down one to go Coming up next hour, Sean Devaney, the Sporting News, joins us. We'll talk NBA playoffs. Third quarter just about to start between the Rockets and the Warriors. Rockets, seven-point lead. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.